when I watched the end of Inception and I was like, nah, the top didn't fall over. Or no, uh, the other you way around. You wanted the top two fall over. Right. right, let me do it. I wanted So Inception was this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Norway, what is good? <laughs> it is a delight to be here in this sauna slash bar slash beer garden slash active construction site. Couldn't think of a better place. The vibes are immaculate. The house is packed and I am well fed off of some reindeer. I am ready to go. <laughs> Uh, I am so delighted to be back here in Norway. This is my second time here. I was here in 2016. I went to Oslo and then Tromso did the classic check out Oslo, go up to Tromso, see the Northern Lights thing. Now I'm back. And it's been wonderful. We walked around the city today. It was nice and pretty. Saw some wonderful parks, some cool architecture. It's been a blast. But we are now here to discuss a very fun story in the Percy Jackson universe of the Demigod Files, which has been a very fun read for me. It was very funny when I started reading these because at different points I was saying, oh, it would be really fun if we got like a Percy and Clarice story. And then even as recent as I think during one of the Q&As on this tour, I think someone asked me if you wanted to learn more about one of the side characters, who would you like to learn more about? And I was like, it'd be cool to know a little bit more about Beckendorf and Selena. <laughs> so I feel like Rick Riordan is writing for me. But I'm going to be covering this story not alone. I can't do this alone. I am joined by a very dear friend, someone who's beloved on the podcast. Please make some noise and welcome to the stage, Stephen Paro. <laughs> Right? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Hello, Norway! It's so cozy on these chairs. These are by far the best chairs we've had in Europe, I yeah. must say. You're doing very well. The vibes are great. I have like a faux fur sort of cushion. You've got Ooh. some pillows. There's a bunch of board games oh, on yeah. the table in between. Which is nice. fun because there's Risk, there's Mice and Mystics, there's Cluedo, which is at least what the British people I know call Clue, and then there's Brainstorm, which underneath Brainstorm it says, Erdu like munensam hodet. Yeah, just like yeah. they say back at home. Every day I think to myself, hodet? <laughs> Be wild if that was like a racist board game and I just said... <laughs> Something terrible and unspeakable. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we are here to cover the second story in the Demigod Files, which is called Percy Jackson and the Bronze Dragon. Ooh. Now, you recently read the Demigod Files, yes? Yes. You had not known about them when you read through the series the first time we talked about this and Kelly with the first Demigod Files story. Mm -hmm. But what's up with you and your Demigod Files history or, I guess in truth, lack thereof? <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I read these books in high school. 
at the time I was dating a girl and she recommended them to me and handed me the first four basically. And I blew through those on my own and then patiently waited for the fifth book to come out. Apparently the demigod files came out in between those and mm-hmm. I just didn't know. She didn't tell you? I well we might have so broken was she up. A fake and- fan too. Oh, 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 oh. My apologies. <laughs> but yeah, she could have been. I don't know. I don't really talk to her anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Good riddance. Uh, but when you were reading them, it was literally just for prep for doing these shows. It was yeah. I've, I've never picked them up. When did you, I guess, learn about them, though? Oh, I learned about them very quickly from uh, the many beautiful fans of the newest Olympian. Uh, okay. Just talking about, like, oh, what is Mike going to do next? What am I going to do next? I feel like one of the most common questions I feel is like, when are we doing the Demigod Files? Spoilers, now. Now. Um, <laughs> between books four and five. And so once I realized that's where they were put, and it's even in publication order in the middle. I was like, I got to read these before Mike. And uh, I did by like a week. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yes. So let's get into this story. I forgot to do the thing that I normally do, which is try and guess what the story is about before starting it. Mm-hmm. Let's just say anything I would have guessed would have been wrong. There is <laughs> absolutely no way I could have predicted this beautifully absurd story. <laughs> And I also enjoyed, now in retrospect, when we were doing the show in Copenhagen a couple days ago, Kelly informed me that one of the Demigod File stories is really important to the plot of the future series. I don't think it's this one. (laughs) But that doesn't make it less fun. I had a great time reading this one. Let me just check my uh, Norwegian trapdoor here. Yes! Seems pretty sturdy. Good, it's intact. Fantastic. Oh, wait, apparently I did write a guess. I forgot that I guess. My guess was they got to fight a dragon that's attacking Camp Half-Blood. Incorrect. (laughs) So narrator Percy opens this story with one dragon can ruin your whole day. Which, yeah, 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 I guess. Most of my days have zero dragons, so. Yeah, and most of my days do as well. Most of my days are good. Except for when I had... (laughs) food poisoning from marinated herring in Denmark. (laughs) I am recovered now. (laughs) But that is why I ordered the reindeer sausage and not the salmon pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the salmon pizza is great not to put any bad mouthing on the food here, but I played it safe (laughs) and had Blitzen. Anyway... (laughs) Percy details his lengthy list of dragon-related run-ins. I didn't realize how many times he had had run-ins with dragons, but he's run into quite a few. But he states that this encounter with the bronze dragon is the time he thought most certainly that he was not going to make it out alive. And in retrospect, I feel like he's had scarier dragon experiences. I feel like Scylla and Charybdis was way more terrifying. Yeah, but at least there were like those Civil War skeletons to kind of buffer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that one just felt more terrifying to me because he's in the air, he's alone. At least in this one, he's got friends and someone who kind of knows what's going on. But kind of. Yeah, we can get into the story and see how it goes. (laughs) But I think knowing what I know now, this little note he added, I'm not sure. So in this story, it's the end of June. Percy had returned from his quests just two weeks prior, and Camp Half-Blood is operating as usual. So timeline-wise, this actually takes place before book four ends, Mm -hmm. which I find very interesting. 
It's just something I wasn't necessarily predicting. I don't think that even though this was written and published after book four was done, I don't think that this particular story necessarily changes the ending of book four, except maybe Annabeth's standoffishness might feel a little more confusing since things go mostly well here between her and Percy. Well, I remember being 15 once and trying to figure out what girls were thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't gotten much better at 31, but I still, <laughs> I still remember that. <laughs> so the campers are hyped because Capture the Flag is this evening and it's going to be intense because the night prior, the Hephaestus cabin pulled off a huge upset against the Ares cabin, thanks in part to the help of Percy Jackson. I like that he is the narrator, has to let it be known. I was a big reason that things went well. <laughs> Narrator Percy says that what this means is that the Ares cabin will be out for blood even more than their usual intensity and how much out for blood they always are. But they're going to be out for blood more than usual. They are the red team. The red team is formidable because they have both war cabins, the Ares cabin and the Athena cabin. And then they also have Aphrodite, Dionysus, and Demeter. The blue team, which is what Percy's going to be on, has the Hephaestus campers, Apollo campers, Hermes campers, and then... Percy, because I guess Tyson is not competing. I guess it's only demigods that do capture the flag. You don't do non-demigod campers? You know, I think I'm just going to let Rick make the rules for this. Okay. Like, you don't know, because like, you know, Tyson was with Grover at the beginning of book four when they were going mm-hmm. out fighting the scorpions. So clearly Tyson has some strange yeah, middle I guess, ground here, you know? Oh, yeah, but that, I guess that will... Wasn't capture the flag. That was special no, Quintus training exercise. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay. So sometimes he can do camp activities. Yeah. So I don't really know. The but. other thing that made me wonder, are there any other non-demigod cabin folk? Or is Tyson the one person? Or at least the one that we know about? Well, sometimes I let the satyrs participate too. So it's kind of... In activities. But they're not necessarily... You wouldn't say they're in a cabin. Whereas no, Tyson is no. like clearly in a cabin. Yeah, like he's he cl- sleeps in cabin three. He eats with cabin he three. He was claimed by Poseidon. He had the whole... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the folks listening afterwards, Stephen gestured around his head. (laughs) Narrative Percy says that Annabeth is not someone that you want to have on the opposing team. You don't want to be against her. And Percy shares that she taunted him with a hey seaweed brain before the match. And apparently he asked her to stop calling him that. And in my notes, I wrote, come on, you love it. Yeah, that was wild to me. Yeah, like, like, what? what? Come on, you have a little nickname from the girl you have a huge crush on? This is huge. What are you talking about? He admits, as the narrator, the reason that he doesn't like it is because he doesn't have a good comeback for it. He says that Owlhead and Wise Girl don't really cut it. And Annabeth, to my delight, says, you know you love it. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. She shoulder bumps Percy after she says this, but this shoulder bump, though playful, hurts because she's wearing armor. But the narrator, Percy says, that it's hard to look cute in battle armor, but Annabeth pulls it off. (laughs) Oh, okay, Percy Jackson. Okay. All right. No secrets here as the narrator. It's very fun. Annabeth is confident that her team is going to win. She tells Percy that he can stay out of the way if he wants to stay safe. He says, no, thank you. I would like to win. She smiles and says that she'll see him out there. And then she jogs back to her cabin mates where everyone is all smiles and she's given high fives and she's ear to ear grinning as if the prospect of beating up Percy is the best thing imaginable. <laughs> Beckendorf walks up to Percy and says, she likes you, man, which I love. I love Beckendorf being the voice of reason here. Percy thinks that she just likes to beat him up. 
And I'm wondering, did Percy forget the part where she kissed you goodbye <laughs> two and a half weeks ago? Like I said, I was 15 once. It was sort of... <laughs> Beckendorf says that is exactly how you know if a girl is into you. If they want you dead, that means they like you. So Percy, is Clarice just like in love uh, with I Percy mean, Jackson? I, if we go by Hey Arnold, Helga Pataki rules, oh, yes. But so hey, in the States, there's this show called Hey did Arnold. Did Hey Arnold yeah. not make its way over to Norway? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Now, that was a risky reference because one, America, but two, old. Yeah. <laughs> the kids these days didn't get Hey Arnold. They got... Peppa Pig? Anyway, <laughs> Percy thinks this reasoning from Beckendorf doesn't make any sense, but Beckendorf says to trust him and that he should ask Annabeth to the fireworks at the end of the summer. Percy can't tell if Beckendorf is serious, and then he describes Beckendorf a little bit, says that Beckendorf is muscular, he's always scowling, and he's headed to NYU in the fall because he just turned 18. So that's pretty cool that he's going to college and he's staying in the state. Mm -hmm. Percy says that he normally takes Beckendorf's advice, but asking Annabeth to the 4th of July fireworks, the biggest camp dating event of the summer, seems quite daunting. And I can totally get that. Uh, even when you are confident that someone likes you and that you should ask them to some sort of thing, it's still very nervous to ask them to the school dance or whatever it is. So I can understand this hesitation from Percy. I've been there before. Yeah, I think it's super relatable. At the same time, it's really hilarious to me that it's like, he faces death on an annual basis. Right. But asking Annabeth to a dance is scarier. <laughs> you know, not dying and fighting off evil comes naturally to him. Yeah. Having any sort of smoothness with the ladies, <laughs> not necessarily in his wheelhouse. Selena walks by, and narrator Percy notes that Beckendorf has a not-so-secret crush on her and has had one for the past three years. He says, quote, describing Selena, she had long black hair and big brown eyes, and when she walked, the guys tended to watch. <laughs> I don't know why, but I always imagined Selena having blonde hair. I just don't know why, but now, canonically, long black hair, big brown eyes. Here for it? Hey, she can dye it. Who knows? Sure. Anything is fine. Yeah. I don't know if that was just a misconception of me. and I don't know if it ever said. I don't think it did. Email Brandon Grugel. Yeah, send him a correction. Yeah. She says, good luck, Charlie, to Beckendorf. And narrator Percy notes that no one ever calls him by his first name, which, again, I totally forgot. If she hadn't said it here, I would have guessed probably a different name, like Andrew or something. <laughs> now, though, I think I will not forget it because Selena thankfully calls Beckendorf Charlie a whole heck of a lot in this story. So this has been good for me and my Percy Jackson trivia knowledge. All right. She smiles at Beckendorf and then joins Annabeth's group. Beckendorf is left speechless, which gives Percy the perfect opportunity to say, thanks for the advice, dude. Glad you're so wise about girls and all. <laughs> and then he says, come on, let's go to the woods. Great, great burn from Percy Jackson. Percy and Beckendorf are planning to do the most dangerous part of the Capture the Flag mission. While the Apollo cabin defends with their bows, the Hermes cabin will charge the middle to distract the other team. And while that is happening, Beckendorf and Percy will navigate around the left flank find the flag, defeat the defenders, and then return the flag. Narrator Percy ends this by saying, simple, which means it will not be simple. <laughs> and that is true. Things get messy. Percy explains that he chose the left flank because Annabeth told him to go to the right flank if he wanted to stay safe, and he thinks that that means Annabeth doesn't want him going left. 
which I feel like is a thousand percent reverse psychology that is working exactly as intended. And we'll just have to see if Percy falls into her trap. Spoiler alert, he does. <laughs> what a goober. Why did he think that she wouldn't try to do this? Well, he's not in the wise cabin. That is true. He is not in the wise cabin. He's in the water cabin. <laughs> Beckendorf thinks that Percy's plan is sound, which, Beckendorf, come on. And he says that they should suit up. Apparently, Beckendorf has been working on a secret weapon, bronze chameleon armor. And true to its name, it turns the color of whatever they stand in front of. It's not necessarily perfect camouflage, but if they stand in front of rocks, it turns gray. If they're in front of a bush, it would turn green. So it doesn't give them true invisibility, but pretty good cover, at least from a distance. Beckendorf tells Percy that it took forever to forge this armor and instructs Percy not to screw it up. I guessed here that Percy would certainly break the armor. There's no way that the armor is getting out alive. We'll have to see if the armor makes it out. And it's sort of just like a losing proposition for Beckendorf. You know, he mm -hmm. makes armor for kids at Camp Half-Blood. Mm -hmm. It's going to get broken at some point. Yeah, I guess in this case, he only made, we would assume, mm -hmm. two versions, and he gave it to someone that he does trust. That being said, Percy does break lots of yeah. things, <laughs> such as the state of Washington. <laughs> So I don't know if he's the most trustworthy person to give your precious armor to. <laughs> Percy says, you got it, Captain. And Beckendorf grunts in a way that Percy can tell that he likes being called Captain. So I think Percy should tell Selena that Beckendorf likes being called Captain. Oh. <laughs> we won't investigate that further. This is an all-ages <laughs> podcast. The Hephaestus campers wish them well, and our duo is off. They cross the creek, and they see no border guards. Percy guesses that they were overconfident and didn't put defenses here, but he feels uneasy about this because Annabeth is such a good planner that it feels like it might be intentional. Ha ha ha, Percy Jackson. <laughs> so they progress through into enemy territory. The whole time, Percy knows that the clock is ticking because eventually the Ares campers will overpower the Apollo campers. The defensive bow and arrows is only going to stay up for so long. So they creep along a tree and they get spooked by a dryad and then they approach a big pile of dirt. Percy knows that they're in trouble and Beckendorf says, holy Hephaestus, the anthill, which is very cheesy. <laughs> but I don't know why an anthill would be scary. So I just wrote, what? Percy wants to run away immediately. So now I'm very confused. Two out of two of our characters are very intimidated by what I thought was just an anthill, but it's much more than just an anthill. Percy says that he's never seen this before, but he's heard stories about it from older campers. Apparently, this anthill reaches heights as tall as trees, and it houses thousands of mermeeks? Mermeekies? I'm going to go with mermeeks, and if I'm wrong, email Brandon Grugel. <laughs> But I'm sure I'll talk to Dr. Moya about this yeah. in the Greek mythology episode. These threw me for a loop, honestly. They're very interesting and yes. very scary. And I wonder if they were inspired by Uncle Rick and his Texan roots and his hatred towards fire ants. I was going to mention. Do fire ants exist in Norway? Like ants that bite you and then they'll like swell up and sting and itch for way too long. They're quite foul in Texas. They are all over the place there, mm -hmm. and I thankfully have only had a handful of run-ins with them, but it's never a situation you want to be in. I've had many terrible run-ins. <laughs> Do you but. wear sandals? 
No. Okay. Most of the people I know, the problem would be they'd be yeah. walking around in sandals. And once I learned that fire ants were a thing, I never wore sandals in Texas. I moved yeah. to Texas from New Jersey with a pair of flip-flops. I heard about fire ants. I took those flip-flops and I gave them away to charity. <laughs> and I never bought another bear. My answer is actually worse, though. Oh. I would uh -oh. walk around barefoot around my house ah! and my backyard. Ah! So. Poor decisions. <laughs> Took like five or six run-ins with Ant Hills before I got it, but <laughs> oh my God. I'm still alive. Oh my goodness. Narrator Percy explains that the word is ancient Greek for ants, but they are far more intense than that. They are German shepherd-sized, so big dog-sized. They have blood-red armored shells. They have beady black eyes and razor-sharp mandibles that slice and snap. Some currently are carrying tree branches. Some are carrying raw meat. And Percy doesn't want to think any further about where the meat came from, which I agree with his decision not to investigate this further. Most of them, though, are carrying bits of metal, largely made up of scraps found around the camp. Apparently, they just really enjoy various shiny objects. Magpie. There we go. Magpie ants. Yeah, That's yeah, what I was, yeah, that was yeah, trying yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they're kind of like magpie ants. <laughs> <laughs> Beckendorf explains that they love shiny metal, especially gold. He's heard rumors that they have more gold in their nest than Fort Knox. Narrative Percy says he sounded envious. <laughs> I've never been to Fort Knox. Have you been to Fort Knox? No, I don't like Tennessee. Okay, I didn't even know it was in Tennessee. It's just an American tourist thing where they have a lot of gold, where they do the Apparently. minting and stuff. I don't know, our money is strange where we base it all off the gold standard, which is bad and I'm sure certainly racist. But whatever yeah. it is, I've never been to Fort Knox. Also, Tennessee listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Percy tells him to not even think about it. Beckendorf says, dude, I won't. And I love that they are on dude status. We oh, now yeah. have each of them calling each other dude, which is a very good high schooler American thing. That's how you know they're true friends is that they are casually calling each other dude. It's really nice, especially in the time period of this book coming out in 2009. Dude, you're killing it on stage right now. Uh, dude, you're doing a great no. job guesting. <laughs> Beckendorf is in the middle of telling Percy that they should leave when his eyes bulge at the sight of two ants farther away carrying something large, golden and bronze, with strange ridges and loads of wires protruding from the bottom. Percy is also stunned, and they both realize that it is a dragon's head. The snout is as long as Percy's body, the mouth has huge metal shark-like teeth, and the skin is made up of gold and bronze scales. Its eyes are rubies, and the rubies are the size of Percy's fists. It appears as if the head was forcibly removed from its body by the ants since the wires are frayed and tangled. And Percy can also tell that the head is very heavy because these ants are really struggling to move it, kind of tugging it along, only moving it a couple of inches at a time. Beckendorf says that they have to stop them because if these two ants are able to get it towards the hill, the other ants will help them. Percy asks why this is important, and Beckendorf is convinced that it is a sign from Hephaestus. Percy isn't really sure what Beckendorf is talking about, but he's also never seen Beckendorf this determined before, so he figures maybe I'll go along with it. Beckendorf Ooh. runs off, and Percy is about to follow him when he feels something cold on his neck. And I thought, okay, this is obviously Annabeth. This has to be her master plan working. And it is! <laughs> she is fully invisible, so she must be wearing her invisibility Yankees hat. Percy tries to move, but then Annabeth puts her knife under his chin. A very convincing argument to stay put. <laughs> Selena then comes out of the woods with her sword drawn, and she's dressed in pink and red armor that matches her makeup. Narrator Percy says she looks like Gorilla Warfare Barbie. 
I actually laughed out loud. It's very funny. <laughs> like, hey, it's impressive that uh, she put that much effort into Yeah, coordinating. I really want to see what the design looks like. And I want to know, is it something that is actually worse than not camouflaging the armor? Like, would it have been worse than just having straight up shiny bronze? Or is the pink slightly better? All in all, I'm just excited to see how it looks on the TV show. It's going to be... Fantastic. Yeah. We'll just knock on wood that we get to oh, season please. four. Oh, come on. How could it not? I don't I know. Mean, There's I a lot of ways it could be bad, <laughs> but I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be Rick great. involved, I think it'll be I fine. I think it's going to be great, but you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> job security, job security. Job. <laughs> <laughs> Selena congratulates Annabeth. Annabeth disarms Percy and removes her cap, saying, Boys are easy to follow. They make more noise than a lovesick minotaur. I Perse wonder what that sounds like. Yeah. I don't know. Eh, I got nothing. Theseus, Theseus, oh no. Does the Minotaur love Theseus? I don't know. I'm just basing this off of Hades, the video it game. That's all I know. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were against each other, yeah. but then they're friends, but like out of respect in Hades, the video game. Oh, and we, have, we have a story okay. to get through. We'll yeah, talk about sorry. Hades for hours. Percy immediately gets flustered, trying to make sure that he didn't say anything embarrassing because who knows how long Annabeth and Selina were creeping on them. And I love that his first thought is, oh no, we're going to lose Capture the Flag. And his first thought is, did I say something embarrassing? And then did Annabeth hear it? Love where his priorities are. Annabeth decrees that Percy is their prisoner and says that they should get Beckendorf as well. And that makes Percy realize that he needs to help Beckendorf. So he tries to run off, but Annabeth holds him back. He points to the scene and Annabeth lets out an oh Zeus as they watch Beckendorf strike one of the ants. His sword just clangs off of the ant's shell. And before Percy can even call out to Beckendorf, the ant bites Beckendorf's leg and he falls to the ground. Just a very sad scene, just very quickly overpowered by the scary ants. Yeah, it's really scary. And it's like, it's slightly comical for me too because it's just, it feels like Beckendorf's like, Percy, this is a sign from Ephesus, and just runs. Right. Doesn't even look at Percy's coming. He's just like, ah! And then... <laughs> I can totally get it, though. Yeah. Something that you think is a omen from the gods or a mm -hmm. test from your god, you want to go right away. But, yeah, I guess it was just incredibly terrible timing that Beckendorf yes. thinks, surely Percy's following me. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> My leg! You know. Yes. Just very, very bad timing. Mm -hmm. Ant number two sprays goo in Beckendorf's face, and he screams and furiously tries to wipe it out of his eyes. Percy tries again to go after Beckendorf, but Annabeth pulls him back forcibly, saying no. And you know it's forcible because she said no in italics. <gasps> Selena yells, Charlie! And Annabeth insists that Selena not go after him because it's already too late. Percy's confused as to what Annabeth means, as was I. 20 more ants swarm in, grab Beckendorf, and drag him to their hill. Selina pushes Annabeth out of anger and blames her for letting the ants take Beckendorf. But Annabeth says that there's no time to argue, and then she just says, come on. So Percy thought that she was going to lead them on a charge of the ant hill, but instead, Annabeth brings them towards the dragon head that the ants have left behind in favor of getting Beckendorf. Percy asks, what are you doing? Annabeth demands that they help her as she fiddles with the dragon head. And Selina gets upset that she seems to care more about this dragon head than she does about Beckendorf. But Annabeth turns and grabs her by the shoulders and says, Listen, Selina, those are mermeeks. They're like fire ants, only a hundred times worse. They bite poison, they spray acid, they communicate with all other ants and swarm anything that threatens them. If we rushed in there to help Beckendorf, we would have been dragged inside too. We're going to need help, a lot of help, to get him back. Now grab some wires and pull. 
Percy doesn't know what Annabeth's plan is, but he's done enough adventuring with Annabeth to know that she always has some sort of plan in mind, and the best call is to just go along with it. They all drag the metal head into the woods 50 feet away from the clearing to be as safe as they can be. Selina then breaks down in tears, thinking that Beckendorf is probably dead. Annabeth says that they won't kill him right away. They've got about half an hour. So lots of time. <laughs> Everything's okay. No rush at all. Yeah. yeah. 30 whole minutes. Oh my gosh. It's mm -hmm. like forever. That's so long. Percy asks how Annabeth knows that. Annabeth says that she's read up on the Mermeeks, and they paralyze their prey so that they can soften them up before, and before she can describe whatever gruesome thing she's about to say, Selina yells, we have to save him. Annabeth says that they will save him, but she has to get a grip. And I feel like Annabeth could be a little bit nicer here because so far, all she's done is say incredibly scary things and not be transparent about her plan at all. Yeah, and like no one could go like tell Chiron or something. Right, you know, I feel like... like She's doing this because they don't have a lot of time and she's mm -hmm. kind of doing a lot of things at the same time and trying to work things out. So I can understand her rushing, but I feel like grabbing Selena and saying, get a grip, is a bit uncalled for. You haven't said anything about what your plan is or if we're going to get back in Dorf. All you've said is, no, we can't go in there and he's going to die in 30 minutes. I think Selena has complete justification to be a bit stressed out by everything that's happening. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. Percy thinks that they should call on the other campers and Chiron, like you suggested. Annabeth says that it would take too long and even the entire camp wouldn't be enough to invade the hill. Percy asks what they should do instead then. Annabeth points to the head. Percy responds, okay, you're going to scare the ants with a big metal puppet. Mm -hmm. Annabeth corrects him that it's an automaton, not a puppet. Narrative Percy says, that didn't make me feel any better. He's not enthused because most automatons are killing machines at best. Percy's also confused as to how a broken one will help them, but Annabeth explains that it's not just any automaton, it's the Bronze Dragon. You know, Percy from the Demigod File story, Percy Jackson and the Bronze yes. Dragon. <laughs> of Which course. Is, yeah, of course. It's funny because Annabeth's next line is, haven't you heard the stories? <laughs> Percy clearly has not, but Selina has, asking if Annabeth means the old guardian, adding that she thought this was just a legend. Percy has no idea what's going on, and honestly, neither do we as the reader, so Annabeth explains. In the days before Thalia's tree, before borders kept out magical monsters, the counselors tried various methods of protection, most notably the bronze dragon. The Hephaestus cabin made it with the blessing of their father, and legend has it that it was so fierce it protected the camp for over a decade, but about 15 years Years ago, it disappeared into the woods. Annabeth believes that this head belongs to that same dragon. The ants probably couldn't drag the entire dragon, so she guesses they snipped off the head and brought back just the head to where they are now. Percy is worried that the head is worthless since it's been chewed up at the wires, but Annabeth says not necessarily in a way that Percy can tell her brain is working overtime. She wants to try and reassemble the head and reactivate the entire dragon, which feels like a very daunting task, but I think they could probably handle it. Yeah, but you think in 30 minutes? <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting thing. What does get described feels like much more than 30 minutes worth of stuff, but maybe they move quick. I'm not sure. I'm no demigod. I don't know. No, and my time management skills are terrible. <laughs> I am not good at it at all. Ask Stephen or Kelly. <laughs> I do this cool thing saying, let's leave at five. And then at 5.15, I go, all right, ready to go. <laughs> not good. 
Selena is on board because it will help them rescue Charlie. Percy thinks that this plan has far too many variables in it, though, especially if they're trying to find something that went missing 15 years ago. Annabeth says that they have to try and that it could be a sign from Hephaestus, use the dragon to save a Hephaestus camper. Annabeth thinks that Beckendorf would want them to try, and I gotta believe her. I think this is pretty sound reasoning. Percy still isn't super fond of the idea, though, but he can't think of any alternatives, and he also remembers that Beckendorf did mention something about the possibility of this all being a sign from Hephaestus, so he figures, why not find out if Beckendorf was right? So Percy is now finally on board with the mission. They search for an excruciatingly long time, but thankfully, they are able to follow the ants' tracks pretty easily since they were dragging the dragon head. Eh, dragging dragging the, dragon. the dragon. <laughs> they were dragging the dragon head the whole way. After a quarter mile, Annabeth says de immortales, which now is just established as just like a Greek curse, right? Because Chiron yeah. said this earlier in book four when Compe came and he fired the arrows. So is this just their Greek way of saying like, like, like oh my godness? Yeah, or like, gosh darn it, but more... I mean, cause like D immortalis feels like a Greek way to say the gods. Yeah. Uh, the immortals, something like that. Maybe just, whoa. Yeah. It's <laughs> so far two out of two usage of bad thing. Uh Oh, some sort of curse. Yes. So she says that as they approach the rim of a crater and it looks like a meteor blast leading Selena to believe that Hephaestus unearthed the dragon so that specifically Charlie Beckendorf would find it. Hmm. They see the full dragon and the neck with frayed wires. So Percy says, come on, let's reconnect this bad boy. And I love that because I love saying whatever this bad boy. <laughs> I think it's just such a fun thing to say. So I'm glad that he and I have that in common. Getting to the dragon is the easy part. Completing the reconnection bit is a little trickier because they lack the tools and the expertise. And I wrote, they really could use Beckendorf here, couldn't they? <laughs> Annabeth has the same remark. And Percy then asks her, isn't your mom the goddess of inventors? Not now, Percy. <laughs> or at the very least, frame it a little bit better. You don't have to say it so sassily. <laughs> I feel like you've had to deal with this a bit in your life, too, where like you talk about like Kelly building a shelf at your house. Uh -huh. You're like, didn't you have a degree in engineering? See, the thing with a degree in engineering is that people just think it's anything involved with math or construction or automotive vehicles or anything at all because I get it. Most people don't really know what engineers do. And as someone who worked four years in engineering, I don't really know what we do. <laughs> So I understand the confusion and it's a broad term, but there's so many times where I don't know how to change my oil in my car and people are like, weren't you an engineer? Yeah, I wasn't a mechanic. <laughs> so I get that complaint all the time. But yes, people yes. will say that exact same thing when I say that Kelly puts up the shelves and stuff. They're like, mm -hmm. didn't you study engineering in college? Yeah, where was putting up shelf class? <laughs> I was too busy taking multivariable calculus <laughs> and computational and applied mathematics 335 where we did math so hard that you couldn't use a calculator, you had to use computer programming such as MATLAB. That class sucked, I hated it. <laughs> Not my teacher's fault, it was just way over my head. I had to do complex matrices, don't need it. I sang acapella. <laughs> <laughs> But weren't you a chemistry major? <laughs> That's not the joke here. <laughs> 
So Percy says this very sassy remark, and Annabeth, like a champ, takes it as well as you can and just says that she is, but this is different because Annabeth is good with ideas, not specifically the mechanics of it all. Then Percy says, quote, if I was going to pick one person in the world to reattach my head, I'd pick you. <laughs> Which I wrote, uh, thanks? Thankfully, narrator Percy immediately calls this out as something that he just let slip out, and in retrospect, he realizes that this is super whack. But then Selena, as did I think about seven people in the crowd, went, aw. <laughs> and she continues, aw, Percy, that is so sweet, and wipes tears from her eyes. More surprisingly, Annabeth blushes. And then says, shut up, Selena, hand me your dagger. How did this work? 15. Mm -hmm. The clunkiest line <laughs> manages to work flawlessly, but right after Annabeth said to Selena, hand me your dagger, narrator Percy says, I was afraid Annabeth was going to stab me with it. <laughs> Chef's kiss. What she actually does is use this as a screwdriver to open a panel in the dragon's neck. She then starts to splice together celestial bronze wires, and it takes a while, Percy thinking a little bit too long. He figures that Capture the Flag has to have concluded by now, and he wonders when the other campers will come looking for them. Percy figures by Annabeth's calculations, which he notes are always correct, that Beckendorf has five to ten more minutes before he's a goner. At last, Annabeth stands up, exhales, and says that she thinks it's done. Her hands look absolutely wrecked, and she's covered in grease. Percy asks how they start it. Annabeth points to the eyes and notes that they turn clockwise. Percy says, quote, if someone twisted my eyeballs, I'd wake up. <laughs> Expert analysis from Perseus Jackson. The math checks out for sure. Yeah. Percy asks what happens if it wakes and then decides to attack them. Annabeth says they're toast. And Percy replies, great, I'm psyched. <laughs> And I really enjoy the way Uncle Rick writes these conversations because he's clearly very much in touch with how the youth speak. You gotta hand it to him. It doesn't sound like an old guy writing what he thinks a teenager sounds like. And I think this is his expertise as a teacher coming through. He writes convincing teenagers. And I think that that really shows in the dialogue. Things like saying I'm psyched is stuff that sounds natural and not forced. Mm -hmm. So Annabeth and Percy turn the eyes together, very romantic. <laughs> the eyes begin to glow and they back up very quickly and kind of stumble over each other, very romantic. <laughs> the mouth opens, the head turns and looks at them, steam shoots out of its ears and it tries to rise, but it looks confused as it learns that it cannot move and then it realizes that it's buried and it bursts its way free from the ground. It shakes off the mud like a wet dog and it splatters our trio covering them in mud. Our team is left speechless and even with exposed wires and mud splotches, this dragon is just a wonder. The scales on its side look incredible and they're encrusted with gemstones. Its legs are as thick as tree trunks and its talons are made of steel. It has no wings, Percy explaining that most Greek dragons don't, and its tail is basically as long as its body, which is the size of a school bus. So this thing wow. is huge. Yeah, I remember like, reading this. It was kind of wild. I didn't realize like Greek dragons didn't have wings, but I guess mm -hmm. it's like I'm influenced too much by like, medieval stuff. I don't know. Yeah. 
I was also surprised that when he said that, I figured just from what I was picturing in my brain that it didn't have wings. And I think it's because whether it's the art that sometimes finds its way on the cover of the books or some of the art that people have sent me from Greek mythology books about some of the other dragons we've come across in the series, like Laden and like mm. whichever of Scylla and Charybdis is the more dragon <laughs> one. I always forget which one is which. I feel like those didn't have wings on them, so I think I just unknowingly assumed that Greek ones don't have wings, so I get it. Yeah. But, yeah, an interesting thing, and with the legs, when it said legs, that made me think, oh, right, this dragon will move by legs and not fly, which is what I was imagining at first. Before he said legs, I was imagining it was a flying gold automaton dragon, which I realize makes no sense. Yeah, we just established no wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Greek god, maybe oh, Hephaestus enough, makes yeah. it levitate, but yeah. yeah. Gyarados is a flying type Pokemon. It doesn't make any sense. Very yeah. true. Very, very, very true. Good call. The dragon cranes its neck and shoots a column of fire into the sky. Percy goes, well, it still works. But the <laughs> dragon hears this and brings its face within two inches of Percy's. Selina commands the dragon to stop, which surprises Percy. It turns its attention to her. She swallows and says, we've woken you to defend the camp. You remember? That is your job. The dragon tilts its head as if it's thinking. Percy thinks that it's a coin toss as to whether or not she gets torched by the dragon. <laughs> and he's about to jump on its neck to distract it and defend her when Selina then continues. Charles Beckendorf, a son of Hephaestus, is in trouble. The Mermeeks have taken him. He needs your help. The dragon's neck straightened and sent a shiver down its spine when she said Hephaestus. The dragon then searches around for the enemy. Annabeth says that they need to show it, so she calls for the dragon to follow them, and then she yells, for Hephaestus, which narrative Percy thinks is a nice touch. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to take a break for intermission. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yes. applauding us, taking a little break. <laughs> so... We'll see you all very soon. Hello and welcome to the Demipod Files Utah edition. Am I coming to you live from my nephew's bedroom surrounded by children's toys? Who's to say? But let's talk about some podcast stuff. First, just a reminder that we've got a whole bunch of TNO merch. If you go to the newsolympian.com slash merch, you can get physical items, you can get digital items, you can get audio items, like you can get the theme song as a ringtone, you can get videos such as old live shows with multicam setups and stuff like the New York show, our first ever show. Lots of fun stuff over there. And I'm currently in works with the merch team to get some new items on there. So if you were waiting for some new stuff, it's on the way. Speaking of shows, we do have some shows coming up very soon at the end of the month, Seattle and Vancouver, BC. That's May 24th and May 26th, respectively. Then in the middle of June, doing a show in Cleveland on the 14th, Detroit on the 16th, and Toronto on the 18th. Then at the end of this week, tickets will go live for a new crop of shows. I believe that will include Hartford, Connecticut, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Minneapolis. So there's a Hartford show. It's going to be July 15th. And then the Chicago, Milwaukee, Minneapolis shows will all be in early August. So just make sure you're following the News Olympian on social media so that you can get tickets once those go live. Also, I'm going to be at LeakyCom this year representing both Potterless and the News Olympian. They are expanding beyond Harry Potter stuff this time around. It's called the Wizarding World's Fair. They're going to have folks from various fandoms. They're having people who are in the Lord of the Rings movies as well. So there's going to be some TNO stuff. I don't know exactly what I'm doing yet. They haven't sent me my schedule yet, but normally LeakyCon, I do things every single 
whole day. So if you can only go for one day, probably a safe bet to just go whatever day works best for you. But if you're trying to like specifically go to the TNO live show at LeakyCon, I would say wait until the schedule goes live, but I'll probably be doing something every day and I can't wait to do some shows and do some panels and meet some of you folks. Speaking of meeting folks, I would love to meet every single person who has supported and is supporting the show on Patreon, and I want to give a shout out to the folks who have joined our Patreon most recently at the newsolympian.com slash Patreon, getting a whole bunch of bonus content. Something I've been doing recently, I've been putting up director's commentaries, giving behind the scenes about every single live show that I did across the tour, because there are some very interesting stories that go along with that, and you can get access to those, I believe, just at the $10 and above tier, so lots of different ways to hear fun audio goodies such as that, but let's give shout outs to our most recent members. So shout out to our newest Ultra God Tier patrons, Captain Jack Rackham and Sky Captain and the Princess. Shout out to our newest Super God Tier patron, Zoeen. Shout out to our newest God Tier patrons, Lydia and Dayton Nicholson. And shout out to our newest Demi God Tier patrons, Boy Brushed Green, Rachel Elizabeth Truth, and Louise McIntyre. Thank you all so much for your support. May Hades bless you that you don't have a lot of traffic when you drive. The inspiration for this is that apparently, according to the Percy Jackson universe, there are highways in the underworld. So, you know, maybe he's the god of highways or the god of traffic. Yeah. Now, let's talk about who is sponsoring this episode of The Newest Olympian. And after these ads, there won't be any of the locally inserted ones. We'll just get right back to the episode. This episode of The News Olympian is brought to you by Headspace. Now, in this story of the Demigod Files, we've got Percy and Beckendorf going through not the most fun time. And I feel like, personally, Beckendorf is going to be haunted by giant ants in his dreams. Maybe he will need some help going to sleep or relaxing during the day. What could he use to help with that? He could use Headspace. Headspace is an app that can help you improve your mental well-being, whether you use guided meditations or mindfulness practices or breathing and calming exercises or sleep stories. These tools can help you reduce stress, boost your mood, and help you sleep better. And I can speak from experience. I have used Headspace for a guided meditation, which was great because I don't know how to meditate. So it was very helpful to have that guidance. And also I've used it to help fall asleep. I've been in time zone mumbo jumbo world, being on tour and on vacation and now back in the US. Having Headspace on my phone is super clutch to help me fall asleep. At night, and Headspace combines scientifically proven benefits of meditation and mindfulness with modern practices. Through their experienced meditation teachers, they've got customized, personalized approaches to help you navigate through all of life's moments, both big and small, or giant ant-related. Headspace has an enormous library of content with over a thousand hours of clinically proven mindfulness practices, so there is tons of stuff for you to check out with Headspace. Headspace has helped me and more than 100 million people worldwide, and they can help you too. Listen up, you do not want to miss this. I've arranged something special for a limited time, all of you can try Headspace free for 60 days by going to headspace.com slash Olympian60. You won't find this offer anywhere else. You must use my link, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E.com slash Olympian60 to unlock all of Headspace free for 60 days. This is not something that they normally do. Headspace.com slash Olympian60. So if you want to stop thinking about giant evil acid spewing ants every waking second of your life, use Headspace today. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Now, in this story, we've got Percy, Beckendorf, Selena, and Annabeth going through quite the day, and maybe they wanted to make sure that they were at their best at the beginning of this day. What could they have done? They could have started the day with something that gives them a bunch of vitamins and minerals, and that something is Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens when I was traveling, and surprise, surprise, I'm still traveling as I have been since September of 2022, and having Athletic Greens 
throughout my travels has been really nice. It's just nice when I have long travel days. Some of these flights that I've been taking are super long. Recently, I flew all the way back from South Korea to the US and I had an 11 hour flight and then a three hour layover and then another two hour flight that had a delay. And I didn't really have the chance to eat fruits and veggies like I normally do. But the beauty of Athletic Greens is that it has a bunch of good stuff in it where I can get those vitamins and minerals that I normally get from fruits and vegetables in a very convenient stirrable powder that mixes with water quite easily. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself, and it will cost you less than $3 per day, which is pretty solid when you're investing in your health. So if you want to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, you can do so with Athletic Greens. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit Athletic Greens newestolympian. Again, that is athleticgreens.com newestolympian to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So do that because you never know when you're going to have to fight off a bunch of giant ants and wrangle a giant bronze dragon. Start using Athletic Greens today. This episode of the Newest Olympian is brought to you by Annie's Kick Clubs. Now, if you're Sally Jackson, you have a very interesting situation in that your son Percy is constantly in danger. And maybe you need something to pass the time. You're at home wondering if he's going to be okay. Maybe you want a little bit of a hobby, maybe one that's relaxing and fulfilling, you could pick up a new hobby or further develop one that you already have in a crafty manner with Annie's Kit Clubs. Annie's Kit Clubs deliver creativity right to your mailbox. You get a new shipment every single month with supplies and instructions to make something beautiful. Whether you like crocheting, quilting, knitting, or other crafts, Annie's has a club for you. And they even offer clubs to try a variety of crafting techniques. If you are new to the game, like I am incredibly new to the game, I don't really know any of these sorts of things, but I know some of you folks out there are. I've had folks during some of my live shows knit slash crochet. I'm not even exactly sure what they're doing, but some folks are doing some crafty work in the audience and I love it. I think it's fantastic. I'm all for it. I think it's great and they look like they're having a wonderful time. And then at the end of the show, you've got a scarf. Oh, win-win. Incredible. Now, I was sent a box from Annie's and I didn't pick one for myself because I'm not necessarily the craftiest boy. But one of the boxes that they do offer, which I think is fantastic, is called Creative Girls. And with these kits, you can teach a young one to paint or bead and stitch or scrapbook. So I have a box that I'm planning on working on with my niece Aurora. I am so excited to do this with her. It's going to be a wonderful time. No matter your age or your skill level or your crafting interest, you can explore your favorite hobbies with convenient kits that are just the right size. And if you use the promo code Mike50 at checkout, you will receive 50% off your first kit. You just have to go to annieskitclubs.com. That is A-N-N-I-E-S-K-I-T-C-L-U-B-S.com and use that promo code Mike50 and you'll get 50% off your first kit. So if you want to do some crafty work while you patiently wait to make sure that your son is okay and didn't get destroyed by various monsters, you can start using Annie's Kit Clubs today. Now, if you're caught up on the News Olympian and you are looking for a new podcast to listen to, I make a whole lot of podcasts. I'm an independent podcast boy, and I make a lot of shows that I think that you would enjoy. One of those shows is Horse. It's a comedic show about basketball, but we present the show in a way where if you have no idea what's going on with basketball, you are welcome. We remove all of the gatekeeping, and we are here to show that basketball, both the WNBA and the NBA, can be followed by anyone just from a perspective of understanding the drama or the history or both. My co-host Adam Mamawala and I do an episode every other Monday, and we talk about the history of the sport and what's going on currently with the sport. And now is a great time to start listening because the NBA playoffs are going on peak drama and the WNBA season is about to start. So you can get familiarized with 
that league before the next season begins. If you want to listen to the podcast, just search for Horse wherever you get your podcasts or go to horsehoops.com. So with those complete, let's get back into this episode of The Newest Olympian. This episode of The News Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, at Camp Half-Blood, they are cooking up a whole bunch of fun stuff at the cafeteria. But we never really hear about where they supply all of the things for the cafeteria. I'm not sure where they get their stuff, but you know where they should get their stuff? Thrive Market. Thrive can be your go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials, and it has been my go-to. I've got a bunch of stuff from Thrive now, and I genuinely enjoy all of it. I've got Thrive trash bags, dishwashing detergent, snacks, rice, beans, things that wash my dishes, like scrub brushes and stuff. They have a lot of really great deals. I've been capitalizing on those deals, and I have truly been enjoying using Thrive Market. I love a lot of things about Thrive. I love that they only allow trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And whether you are looking for organic kid snacks, high-protein essentials, whatever it is, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. They've got all these different filters and stuff like that, different categories. I utilize those when I was looking for particular items, and it was really easy to navigate the site. I always have a simple time finding what I'm looking for. And it's not just saving time. I'm saving money as a Thrive Market member. I'm looking at my stats right now. My average savings per order are $34.98. On my last order, I saved almost $50, and I got a whole bunch of things for my pantry. I got hand soap refills. I got chicken broth. I got rice. I got beans. I got kitchen towels. It was great. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash TNO for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TNO, thrivemarket.com slash TNO, so you can be as well-stocked as the Camp Half-Blood cafeterias are today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. How's it going, everybody? Did you have a wonderful intermission? Good, good. I missed you all so dearly. Let's get back and do more of this very fun story. Where we last left our heroes, they were going to attack the anthill with a dragon. <laughs> so our team charges through the woods with the dragon right on their tail. And as they approach the clearing, the dragon seems to get a sense for Beckendorf and rushes ahead of them. It charges at the anthill and squashes a few ants before their telepathic network kicks in. All the ants turn in unison and swarm the dragon. Hundreds of ants pour out of the hill to join their brethren in the clearing, the dragon begins to breathe fire at them, and some begin to retreat. Despite the retreaters, more ants join the fight, so the numbers are just increasing. Annabeth tells Percy and Selina that they need to go inside now while the ants are distracted. Selina leads the charge, and narrator Percy notes that it's the first time he's ever followed an Aphrodite camper into battle. That's <laughs> pretty cool. I do think it's nice to have some Aphrodite campers actually do something positive because I feel like so far in the series they've just kind of been the butt of the joke so yeah. for Selena to be repping the whole cabin by showing these campers are also good at things besides being pretty and making sure people's plumes look nice I think that's some nice representation yeah, for the no, cabin for sure I think she's had some really great moments in the short story which is nice and I think it shows love can motivate a lot of really cool stuff 
Definitely, definitely. Narrative Percy says, quote, we ran past the ants, but they ignored us. For some reason, they seem to consider the dragon a bigger threat. Go figure. <laughs> Which is perfect. That is the right level of self-deprecating humor that doesn't make it in a sad, woe is me kind of way. I very much enjoy this level of joke here from Percy. Now, once they're inside, Percy is aghast at the stench of the place. He can tell that these ants let their food rot before eating it, and he thinks that they all need an explainer on the art of refrigeration. <laughs> Riptide provides them a glow of light as they make their way deeper into the anthill, and I would imagine that making their way through this anthill feels a little less scary than making their way through the labyrinth. It's still a scary situation, but once you finish yeah. the labyrinth, I feel like other maze-like things become a bit less terrifying. Yeah, I think so. At least the walls are where you left them. Like, that's, that's a right. pretty nice choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very least, you don't need someone telling you where to go. You should at least be able to figure out what turns to me. Oh, yeah. If Rachel Elizabeth there was in the mix, you know, Annabeth would not be having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she'd be having a good time either, given the giant ants. <laughs> so... They're in the place. It smells bad. They are following Riptide and his light. They then pass a room with ant larvae and a whole bunch of golden items and jewelry. But Selena says that they have to focus on finding Charlie. And Narrator Percy says, another first. A child of Aphrodite uninterested in jewelry. <laughs> Ooh. So even though two sentences ago we had a nice thing for the Aphrodite cabin, they're right back in Butt of the Jokesville. <laughs> They continue forward, and they enter a cavern that smells so terribly that narrator Percy says that his nose, quote, shut down completely. <laughs> the remains of old meals are piled high, including bones, rancid meat, and old camp meals. And this reminds me, did you ever come to my dorm room freshman year? I don't... F <laughs> no, it's okay. I promise, I promise that this gets better. For me. I don't think so. Okay. The people who lived across the bathroom from us <laughs> did this thing where they decided that every time they ordered pizza, like delivery pizza, I don't know if Domino's is over here, but like the terrible, awful pizza, when they would get Domino's, Papa John's, stuff like that, they would keep the pizza boxes and then make a stack of them in the corner of their little common area. And they called it, or at least one of the four guys called it, their trophies? And then they were very surprised a couple weeks later when they had loads of bugs in their room. And the four of us that lived across the bathroom were like, yeah, guys, that's because you have a stack of old pizza boxes in your common room. So I can relate to Percy Jackson here being grossed out by this. Did they I, graduate? One of them didn't. <laughs> I told them every day, you got to get rid of this. Every time, like, guys, what are you doing? And then finally they did. Percy thinks that the ants must have gotten into the compost heap, and I think it's very cool that Camp Half-Blood composts. I yeah. love that they're environmentally friendly in that Absolutely. regard. You know Grover's got to be pushing that initiative, yeah. right? Like, He's got one of those things that you turn to keep the compost heap not as gross. I know that you have the tumblers, but I don't know exactly what they do. I just know you're supposed to shuffle around the compost every now and then. I believe you. <laughs> I've never used one of those individually. In New York City, they just have a lot of compost drop-offs, and I do all of the dropping off of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that Camp Half-Blood has their priorities in and straight. Now, at the base of one of the piles is Beckendorf, who's struggling to get up. Selena yells, Charlie, and rushes over to help him. Beckendorf is relieved to see them. 
but he's a bit scared because his legs are paralyzed. Annabeth assures him that it'll wear off after a bit of time, but right now they just need to focus on getting him out of here. She instructs Percy to grab his other side, so Selina and Percy are now hoisting him up, and they're all going to backtrack their way out of the tunnels. They can still hear the sounds of the battle going on outside, which is good because the ants are going to still be distracted by the dragon and they won't start to attack them. Beckendorf asks what's going on, and he asks, did you reactivate the dragon? Very much implying, you're not supposed to do that. And they say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we did. And he says that that is a bad idea because there's no telling what the dragon will do. But before they can try and even reach the dragon, the dragon reaches them because it has destroyed the entire anthill. <laughs> The team sees that the dragon did this while frantically trying to shake off a bunch of mermeeks that are all over its body. So they scurry out of the broken hill and they try to help the dragon, who's just getting absolutely wrecked by these ants. And it's a bit scary because some of the ants now turn their attention to the team. If they think the dragon is less of a threat, they might want to attack our friends here. Percy immediately beheads one, and Annabeth gets one right between the feelers with her knife. Both of the ants dissolve, so I just love that right off the bat, they're just ready to go, always ready. Beckendorf thinks that he can walk again, so he tries. He takes one step and falls flat on his face. <laughs> Selina again yells, Charlie, and helps him up. They get to the clearing to help the dragon. Selina insists that they can't let it die. Beckendorf says that it's too dangerous, but Selina points out that this dragon saved his life, and she pleads for him to help her, and assuming Percy and Annabeth as well, to save the dragon for her, which are the magic words. Beckendorf looks a little bit weary, but he musters up strength and says, get ready to run. <laughs> he then stares at the dragon and screams, dragon! Emergency defense beta activate. And this is anime as hell. This sounds yes. such like it's straight out of an anime. <laughs> and also, Beckendorf has always kind of struck me as an anime guy. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the crafty tinkeriness. And it makes me think of our friend Noah, who's very much into anime mm -hmm. and painting and crafting those little figurines oh, yeah. and stuff, the little Gundams, putting those together. So it feels like really good with crafty kind of stuff. For sure. Modeling, you'd be into it too. I feel like he'd be all into anime. I mean, I love this headcanon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Official canon. I'll I'll yes. get into the writer's room before, you know, the next season. Gotta make Beckendorf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pen the uh, Beckendorf-specific episode and <laughs> uh, make sure that gets in there. Disney, hit me up. The dragon then turns its head towards Beckendorf. Its eyes begin to glow, and then the air smells of ozone, like before a thunderstorm, which has happened earlier in the books, and I was confused about that. And then everyone knew that that was a thing, apparently. I had no idea. When it, I think it only said smells of ozone, and then everyone else was like, you know, like before a thunderstorm. So I'm glad this time around it said smelled of ozone like before a thunderstorm. Percy hears a zap noise as blue electricity arcs emit from the dragon's skin and start shocking the ants. Some explode, some of them get charred, and the remaining alive ones retreat and get zapped along the way to encourage them to keep going, which I think is very fun. The dragon does a victory screech and then stares at the team, and Beckendorf says, now we run. And I was worried, oh, does the dragon now perceive our friends as a threat? And that's what it seems like. They run away, and narrator Percy is clear to note that instead of them yelling for Hephaestus as they begin to run, they yell, help! <laughs> it had like 12 E's. 
It rushes towards them, firing off electricity and fire in excitement. Annabeth asks Beckendorf how they turn it off. Beckendorf says they never should have turned it on because it's unstable, and apparently that's what happens to automatons after a few years. And Percy gives the perfect reply, good to know, but how do you turn it off? <laughs> Beckendorf frantically looks around and points out a large rock formation that looks like a skateboard ramp, and I can only imagine that Superman by Goldfinger plays softly in the distance. So in America, there's a video game yes. called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1. <laughs> and the classic song of it is Superman by Goldfinger with the, you know. Get up, get up, get up! Yeah, no, it's so good, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Beckendorf's plan is for them to run around the base of the cliff and distract the dragon and keep it busy there while Beckendorf does something he describes as, you'll see, which is quite vague. He hides behind a tree while Percy thrives at the opportunity of being told to distract something by unleashing this taunt, quote, hey, lizard lips, your breath smells like gasoline. (laughs) Five out of 10. (laughs) Could have been better, could have been worse. You know, I'm just glad he's trying. Yeah, (laughs) that's the thought that counts. Oh yeah. But it does work. The three of them run around to the back of the cliff and ready their swords. Annabeth directs them to work to keep the dragon in that area. It does get to them and then it abruptly stops and it tilts its head like it cannot believe that they would be so silly to try and fight it, just the three of them with simple weapons. (laughs) Percy thinks that it must be going through a list of all the ways that it could kill them and picking the most enticing option. (laughs) It bursts flames at them and they scatter. Percy notices Beckendorf above them at the top of the cliff and instantly realizes what Beckendorf is trying to do. I have no freaking clue. My only guess, I said, I have no freaking clue besides jump on it and resever its head. (laughs) 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 Percy knows that Beckendorf needs a clear shot, so he feels like he needs to help keep it busy. Percy rushes towards the dragon and slices off a talon with a riptide, and the dragon's head turns in confusion again, not anger, as if to ask, why did you cut off my toe? (laughs) I'm just trying to help, bro. (laughs) What do you do? It opens its mouth and shows all of its razor-sharp teeth. Annabeth calls out for Percy in fear, like the dragon's about to attack him. Percy says, just another second. Annabeth calls out to Percy again, and just before the dragon can attack, Beckendorf launches off of the rocks and lands on the dragon's neck. And I wrote in my notes in all caps, wait, no way, ha 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 ha. <laughs> the dragon desperately tries to buck Beckendorf off, but he holds on like a good old Texan at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Beckendorf manages to open a panel in the neck of the dragon and rip out a wire, which causes the dragon to instantly freeze. Its eyes go dim and it becomes still like a statue. Beckendorf slides down its neck, exhausted, Selena runs up going, Charlie, and I just feel like we should count how many times she Charlie. said it. Charlie! Or if you're ever reading this story and you want to have a little bit of fun, take a drink every time. Oh, because there's quite a few Selena saying, Charlie, instances in this one. So she runs up saying, Charlie, and kisses him on the cheek. And then she says, you did it. Annabeth squeezes Percy's shoulder, which is nice Ooh. too, and says, hey, seaweed brain, you okay? You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> Percy says, fine, I guess. He's still shook from this near-death experience. Annabeth tells him that he did great, and narrator Percy notes that her smile is a whole lot nicer than that of the dragon. So, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Percy tells her that she did a great job as well, and he asks to the group what they should do with the automaton. Beckendorf, who is getting his wounds attended to by Selena and loving it, (laughs) says that he's not sure. 
wonders if they can fix it and have it guard the camp again, but he adds that that could take months. Percy thinks that it's worth a shot, and his thought is that having it as an ally against Kronos' army could be very valuable, and I think that's a really good idea from Percy. Yeah. But then Percy does worry about it going haywire again, which I also think is a good thought from Percy. Mm -hmm. You know, positive, potential negative. At least I'm intrigued to see. That could be a fun off-screen Beckendorf adventure where if something goes on in book five and we don't see Beckendorf for a little bit and then we come back to camp and Beckendorf goes, hey, remember that dragon from the Demigod Files that everyone certainly read in between books four and five? Mm -hmm. I fixed it and now it's our friend and it's not going to get messed up. That could be a fun thing for Beckendorf. And you can't say anything. I can't. You can't. So you know, uh, let's, yep. Trapdoor's okay, though. It's yeah. intact. Good. I had it installed before the show, <laughs> along with an extra sauna. <laughs> Beckendorf then brings up the whole pile of treasure in the anthill thing, saying that those weapons and magical items could really help them out. Selena adds that the necklaces and bracelets were really nice. Mm. Percy shudders at remembering what it smelled like in there. <laughs> Selina tells Beckendorf that him jumping on the neck of the dragon was the bravest thing she's ever seen. And I wrote, one, she hasn't seen anything. <laughs> and two, wasn't what Percy did way braver <laughs> since he had to stare the dragon down in the face and keep it steady while Beckendorf jumped off undetected? I feel like Percy's situation was far more terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but she's into Beckendorf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. That is true. That is true. Beckendorf replies, um, dot, 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 yeah, dot, dot, dot. So, dot, 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 will you go to the fireworks with me? <laughs> Which, I think this is a good opportunity for him to ask. I feel like he probably could have done it in a more graceful way, but I also understand that he's had a day, so it's okay. <laughs> She is absolutely beaming, though. Selena says, of course, you big dummy. I thought you'd never ask. And at this point, I'm thinking, all right, Percy, time to piggyback and ask Annabeth. Beckendorf instantly looks a whole lot better and says <laughs> that they should all get back to camp. So they start heading back. Percy is walking back barefoot, though, because Ant Acid melted his shoes, and one actually got all the way to his foot. So he's leaning against Annabeth, and she's supporting him as they walk through the woods. Beckendorf and Selena walk back holding hands. Annabeth and Percy give them space, which is very smart, and it's something that they should do for the respect of the two of them, but it also mm -hmm. opens up a prime opportunity for the two of them to be a little more uh, lovey-dovey, a little more couple -y. come on. <laughs> Percy is envious of Beckendorf for being so brave, and then he clarifies that he is not referring to the dragon. He is referring to the asking <laughs> Selena to the fireworks aspect of it all. And Annabeth says to Percy, you know, it wasn't the bravest thing I have ever seen. And I Ooh. felt very vindicated by Annabeth and very excited for Percy here. Percy, of course, asks, what do you mean? <laughs> and she says that what Percy did in this instance was braver. Percy negs himself and says that it could have been seen as more foolish. And Annabeth says, Percy, you're a brave guy. Just take the compliment. Is it so hard? <laughs> and I think this is great because as opposed to his previous funny self-deprecating comment, this is the kind of stuff that is not fun. No one likes the whole, whoa, is me, especially for being complimented. Just say thank you and move on. If someone gives you a compliment, don't say like, oh, no, no. If they're complimenting you, take the praise. Come on. 
Clearly you've earned it. Say thank you. Make sure you give anybody else credit if other credit is due. But yeah, take it. You don't have to always downplay stuff. Come on. Nice hair, bro. Thank you very much. I worked very hard to blow dry it and maintain it and bring this hairbrush on stage. I will soon paint it blue so that it at least has a bit and it's not just me being vain in front of people. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So Percy, come on. <laughs> so narrative Percy then says, we locked eyes. Our faces were like two inches apart. <clears throat> come on. Percy begins to get butterflies. And he says, so I guess Selena and Charlie are going to the fireworks together. Annabeth says, I guess so. And Percy says, yeah, um, about that. And I was very excited. But then of course, Athena campers ruin the moment as they often do. They are very excited and they want to put Beckendorf and Percy in jail. I, as well as our friends here, are very surprised that the game is still going on. I know. This really took way more than 30 minutes. I mean, come I mean, on. Like, or it's just a very slow game of Capture the Flag. I yeah. am flummoxed that it is not ended. Percy is as well. Beckendorf tries to explain what happened but the Athena cabin dude who is talking to them does not believe them, congratulates Annabeth on distracting them, saying that it all worked perfectly, all went according to plan. Percy totally thought that Annabeth was going to give them a free walk back to the border, but she draws her dagger and points it at Percy with a smile. She then says, nah, Selena and I can get this. Come on, prisoners, move it. And I'm hoping <laughs> that they will take mercy on them, but we shall see. Percy asks if this whole thing was a plan, Annabeth asks, how would that even have been possible? <laughs> and narrator Percy says, it didn't seem likely, but this was Annabeth. <laughs> Annabeth and Selina then make eyes at each other and try not to laugh. And Percy starts to go, you, you little. And now I'm confused <laughs> as if this was a whole plan, but I feel like there's no way. There's absolutely no way. And maybe I'm doing the thing where when I saw Inception, I was like, ah, it wiggled. It was totally going to fall over. And other people are like, no, 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 I kept going. It's like, I need for the sake of my investment in the film, I need to live in the world where everything was okay. I can't live with the alternative. That's how I feel here. This was not a plan. There's no way. There was just too much emotion and anger and worry and danger thrown in Beckendorf's way. There's absolutely no way that this could be planned or at least planned in the way that it all went down. It just feels like it couldn't be. I think that they are just locking eyes and laughing at each other at the notion of it <laughs> being a plan, not that it actually was. Yeah, I think like the closest thing I could maybe see would be like they maybe have found the dragon beforehand. Be like, that'll distract Beckendorf. Let's do that. That's the only thing I could see. Like as well. maybe, 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 maybe. Now, Annabeth smiles, puts them in jail, and while she's walking back to the game, she turns around, winks at Percy, and says, "See you at the fireworks." Annabeth is so much smoother than Percy Jackson. <laughs> so much smoother. She. Also, in a very smooth move, does not wait for an answer. Just sprints back into the woods. Power move from Annabeth. <laughs> Percy asks Beckendorf if Annabeth just asked him out. He shrugs and says, who knows with girls? Give me a haywire dragon any day. And the narrator <laughs> Percy concludes the story by saying, so we sat together and waited while the girls won the game. And that is the end of the story. Percy Jackson and the bronze dragon. What a tale. Woo! A very fun one. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if there will be big plot implications. We'll have to see if the dragon comes back. But regardless, I'm glad that we got to learn a little bit more about Selena and Beckendorf and their dynamic and Percy and Annabeth's as well. It was a very fun story. Oh, I yeah. enjoyed this one quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I love it. 
Hey, it's Mike. Just taking a little break here before we get into the Q&A. First for some context, and then also because we're going to take a break for some sponsors because this is a longer episode. Now, when you get into the Q&A of this episode, you will notice that the subject lines are all food-related. That's because when we did this show and also it was very early in our stay, so what we had folks do for the subject line when they emailed in their questions was put a food or drink or snack that we should eat slash drink slash munch on while we were in town. So that is the context there. Happy to report that I did eat many of the things that were suggested. And also, I mentioned at one point in the Q&A a video of me eating a candy that was gifted to me, and then also a video of Stephen drinking Malort. Those videos will both be posted on our Instagram, so head on over to at Newest Olympian on Instagram if you want to see those videos. Now, before we get back to the Q&A, you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of them will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally, so if you live in Oslo, don't be surprised if you hear an ad for the brown cheese, which is good. And I did have it the first time I was in Oslo and I didn't realize it until I was mid bite of the cheese when I went to get it after it was recommended so many times at the show. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back into the final portion of this episode of The New Stolympian. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Straight River Coffee. If you've been listening to The New Olympian and you're thinking, my goodness, I would love to pair this podcast with a nice warm cup of joe, but not just any nice warm cup of joe, but specifically TNO branded coffee. Well, you are in luck because TNO coffee exists. That's right. We have partnered with Straight River Coffee, which is a small independent business that is made up of folks who listen to The New Olympian, and we have teamed up to make TNO coffee. So there is a specific roast from Straight River Coffee called Anna Clues Roast. I came up with the name. I think it's very good. And you can get a one pound bag of coffee from them if you go to the slash merch. I'm not a coffee drinker, but multiple people have told me that the coffee tastes very good and smells incredible. And here's the description of the coffee from Straight River. Sourced from the finest fair trade beans, our collaborative blend boasts flavor notes of nutty caramel and rich chocolate, ensuring each sip transports you to a realm of excitement and wonder. It's cool. The bags were also made by an environmentally friendly bag company and the art design on the bags, which yes, is a pigeon drinking a cup of coffee. Those were made by another independent artist, Ava Hess, who does some incredible artwork as well. So it's a bunch of small businesses and independent creators teaming up to make this coffee happen. And it's really cool. And it also ships free internationally. So it doesn't matter if you live in the US or not the US. The price listed is the price. No extra shipping fees. It's super cool. And you can get a pound of this wonderful coffee delivered to you or multiple, I think. You, you can probably get more than one bag. I don't know. But go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch. Scroll down, click the link about the coffee, and then boom, you can get some Anna Clues roast in your cup today. And then you can perfectly pair TNO coffee with your TNO podcast. So now we're going to do some Q&A. We got time for a little bit of Q&A, but then we got to get out and come back in because we got a Potter of the show coming up. <laughs> But let's get to as much Q&A as we can get through. This first question comes from Therese. Is that how you say it? Teresa? Cool. The subject line is mackerel y tomate. That does sound like mackerel with tomato. I think I'm going I'm to gonna respectfully pass. pass, especially because in parentheses you put from grocery store. I think I'm going to pass. But your question, since Owlhead and Wise Girl are not good nicknames for Annabeth, what would be good nicknames? 
So if Percy's going to have some sort of sassy nickname to give Annabeth, what would he give her? I think he should just call her a different famous architect and just have like a rotating list of that. Be like, okay, Frank Lloyd Wright. And just Shoot, That's the only one I knew. <laughs> like, all right, Frank Geary. All right, Zaha Adid. Well, I'm not married to an architect. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I think those are the three I know. <laughs> oh, come on, Kelly Schubert. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you have a different idea for an Annabeth nickname, though? Featherhead? Featherhead? Okay, okay. I don't know. All right. (laughs) Look, it's just backing up Percy's point that there's not really a good response. She really knocked it out of the park with seaweed brain. It's hard because there are physical things in the ocean that you can point to for Poseidon, and you can find less desirable things in the ocean like seaweed or jellyfish. But because Athena is just about being wise, it's hard to find something that's less desirable about being smart. It's, it's tough because Athena's whole thing is a compliment. <laughs> so it's hard to like find a bad part of a compliment. I know. It's like you could do the savage thing, but just be like, brush your teeth. <laughs> that's just mean. <laughs> is that specific to Athena? No, 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 no. It's not specific. It's just <laughs> like, oh, seaweed brain. It's like, ah, brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This next question is from Milo. The subject line, smash chocolate. A lot of people, okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay. A lot of subject lines, I saw smash chocolate. Hi, two questions. One, would you accept a painting as a gift? Depends on the size, because I am living out of a suitcase. If it is tiny, yes. If it is big, I will accept it, but not physically here. I'm happy to cover postage to the P.O. box that I have, but it is purely size-related. If you have it with you, and that's the thought, Kelly is a good judge of size of stuff at the merch table. She knows how much... Oh, they're holding it up. Uh Oh. Uh, I think we can probably fit that, but I would say run it by Kelly, uh, and then we can discuss. That is very kind of you. The Mona Lisa? Lisa? You have it? Yes, you can do that, because I would buy a new suitcase, and that would certainly uh, be worth more than that. (laughs) Number two, what is your favorite side character from PJO and HP? So, favorite side characters. Harry Potter, I think Ginny is minor enough to call a side character that I'm a big Ginny guy. If you go more side, though, maybe like Fred and George or Lee Jordan, I think they're fun. From Percy? I think I'm going to pick Clarice at this point in time, just because her character growth has been really fun. And I'm excited, especially after reading the first Demigod Files story, to see how she develops further in book five. So those would be my picks. What about you? If Fred and George are side characters, then definitely Fred and George for me, for mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'll probably say Beckendorf. Okay. I really yeah. like Beckendorf. He's he a good seems dude. Like a cool dude. Yeah, he's a very good dude. Okay, so this one is from Dot. Subject line, waffles with brown cheese and raspberry jam. Okay. I've heard... The rumors of the brown cheese being good. Todd says, love your socks. How would you decorate your Greek armor? Mm, how would we decorate our Greek armor? It depends on the circumstance. Like I might go camouflage in Capture the Flag because I want to make sure that I'm well protected. But if I had to design it a little differently, I don't know, I'm a big, pink's my favorite color, so I would maybe go the Selena route and have some pink in there. But maybe at least a color that I could conceivably have a way that would maybe blend into something. Something that I could pass off as being camouflage, but really it was just for style. Which is like a lot of decisions that I make with things. Like these shoes I got for the tour because they're pretty, and the real reason I got them is because they're sold by a London-based shoe seller, and the shipping cost to the US was way more expensive. 
But my reasoning is, oh, they're really compact and we can bring them on the tour really easily, like shove them into a backpack. So that's what I'm telling myself. But the real answer is, they're pretty and I wanted them. <laughs> How would you decorate your armor? Knowing me the way I know myself, mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't even do it. <laughs> that's the, a, whatever, the stalker, like, this is your armor. You'd be like, cool. That's totally fine. Yeah. They also continue, read job security. How familiar are you with Norse mythology? I am not, but I believe there is a Norse mythology book or book series or yes. something in the Royordan verse. So I'm very excited to get to that. And then obviously come back here for a live show. And then you all will be like, oh yeah, classic stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but yes, I know basically nothing. So that is uh, very excited to me. This next question... Um, <laughs> the subject line this is from Mots. Uh, nothing to do with herring ever <laughs> of the food, so I like that. Hello there. I couldn't think of a question, but Stephen is the best. That's all. Sincerely, Aww. Mots. Thanks. Aw, thank you. I'm also now realizing Mots, who was a longtime patron of Potterless, I mispronounced their name every single episode <laughs> for years. My apologies, Mots. My bad. <laughs> Okay, this one is from Patty, and the subject line is Bruno, oh boy, Bruno's Siltatoy Waffle? Okay, waffle with the brown cheese, got it, cool, 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 cool. great, love the translations. (laughs) Hello, Mike, so happy to finally be able to witness your infamous hand movements in person. I'll take it, I'll take it. I see you're also doing a wonderful job of staying hydrated at a sauna slash bar. Thumbs up. Yeah, look, drinking lots of water. I gotta do it, gotta protect the throat. Now, since this is also a Kingdom Hearts podcast, <laughs> it totally is, to which cabin would you assign each of the Keyblade wielders? Oh. 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 I gotta make sure I don't forget anybody. Have you played the Kingdom Hearts yeah. games or just watched videos about some of them? You have like a semi-Kingdom Hearts I have Hearts a pretty background, good right? Kingdom Hearts knowledge. But my whole thing with like Kingdom Hearts though is just like, I'm not going to make an America reference, so sorry, but like. <laughs> they might get it. It's, like, it's smart just it feels like Oprah here. Winfrey. Just like, you get a Keyblade. You get yeah, a Keyblade. Yeah, yeah. You get a Keyblade. You get a Keyblade. Yeah, just, I have pulled up Kingdom Hearts Wiki list of Keyblade wielders, which I thought would be a short list. <laughs> But it is really? a long list, mainly because of the mobile game, the oh, like, yes. online thing. Let's just do like the main people. Sure. Sora okay. feels like Poseidon, not just because main character, main character, but he was born so, on an island. Yeah. He's big into water. Feels like that would work mm-hmm. for him. The only other thing I could see with Sora is maybe, well, there's no Hades cabin yet. I want them to make one. I don't know if that becomes a thing, but I really want them to make one so that Nico has a place to sleep. <laughs> But because of the Dark Sora thing, he could also be in that cabin. Oh, I don't know. Riku gives me big Hades vibes. Yeah. Oh, Riku for sure. But he also could be in Hermes because, as I've said in an episode of the podcast that I don't think has come out yet, but the connections between Riku and Luke are, like, one-to-one. Like, they are almost identical. So I could also see him being Hermes just because that's where Luke ended up. That's but fair. I could also see Hades because lots of play with death and darkness and stuff like that. Kyrie is just really sweet and nice. So I feel like Aphrodite feels like that. Aphrodite? Yeah. Demeter, maybe? Maybe, yeah. I also feel like Aqua is an easy choice for Artemis. I feel like Terra is an easy choice for Ares. Mm-hmm. And then Ventus is technically. He was born as part of Sora's heart, but a soul from someone else. This is. <laughs> how wild Kingdom Hearts gets. This is one of the more normal characters in the game. 
I feel like he would probably, because he comes from Sora's heart, I feel like he'd also be in Poseidon <laughs> just because basically being the same. And then Roxas, no. <laughs> Roxas, oh, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> Roxas is a computer simulation that had a copy clone of Sora's, yeah, it gets uh, really deep and very not confusing at all. Okay, this one, the subject line is Lefse or the sitting original ice cream? Muttered response. Maybe won't get that. Uh, it's just ice cream? I mean, I like ice cream. That sounds like fun. Um, okay, so this one, they put a phonetic pronunciation, but it's in one of those things where you like put weird letters that I don't know how the phonetic thing works. <laughs> it's like, oh, apostrophe A colon N E is upside down. I have no idea what that means. Is it Anna? Yay! All right! I do know what it means. I'm a genius. Uh, hi, Megan Stephen. If you had to choose, would you rather have Percy's water controlling skills or Snape's mind reading legitimacy abilities? You're doing amazing. I'm having a blast. I would definitely pick the water stuff. I would hate to have mind reading skills because then I would learn what people actually think about me, and that's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I could see like the mind reading stuff being helpful in like a medical context, but. I would still pick water powers because they're way cooler. <laughs> yeah. I also really appreciate the not getting wet stuff. That's, yeah. I know there's cooler powers. You can make a giant water tower and all these other sorts of things. But just the ability to get out of the water and be dry right away. I just feel like net time saved. Like every single day you add up the little bits of all the time you spend drying off after a shower or getting in a pool or a sauna or whatever. I feel like you would just have so many days added to your life. It's like when you look at a podcasting app and it tells you how many days you've saved from like 1.3 times things or skipping forward and stuff like that. Oh. I feel like you would just save up a whole bunch of time by never being wet ever. Yeah, that's pretty nice. It's pretty sweet. Okay, this one, uh, the subject line is, please record your reaction of eating Saigmen, the jelly candy I gave you guys. Okay. So some very enthusiastic, I'm glad that was like, an yes. enthusiastic response because the previous time that I got a please record your action of doing something, it was because someone gave me something super duper gross, <laughs> <laughs> and it was Malort, which uh, oh. was justified. And I realized I've never posted the video of you drinking Malort, so maybe I'll finally have an excuse <laughs> to post that on the TNO Instagram. It's this gross liquor that comes from Chicago. Don't drink it. <laughs> so this question is from is it Johanna? Yeah. Cool. They say, hey, Mike and Steven, do you guys have a favorite food snack or candy from Torup so far? As we all know, the Norwegian milk chocolate will be the best of the bunch, but anything else Ooh. besides? Okay. I have not had Norwegian milk chocolate yet. Very much looking forward to it. As far as the, the other food, do you have a favorite food or snack that we've had? Uh, so far, well, so like one of our first days in Denmark, we went and got some Danish pastries. Oh, dude, and yeah. Mine was like this circular chocolate thing. It was like this mm -hmm. great dark chocolate yeah. mix. So like really well-balanced flavors. I went back like every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was good. Yeah, I think that's going to be my pick as well. I see why America calls pastries Danishes. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're really good. They're really, really, really solid. Okay, let's just, we got time for just one more and then we got to get it out of he, he, here. This one is from, is it Margrethe? Cool, I'm oh, three for three, let's go. But also, if I'm getting these wrong, you can, like, don't be like, eh, hey, close enough. I want to get these right. I want to make sure. But they ask, hey, Mike, it's even loving the show so far. As a fellow Hades the Video Game fan, my question Ooh. for you is, Zagreus versus Percy, 
Who would win and how would it go? And before you say, well, Zagreus is a god, Percy's bodied Ares as a child. The kid's got what it takes. <laughs> I like this. Perfect question to end on because we are both big Hades of Video Game fans. Zagreus versus Percy. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I feel like location would be a major factor mm -hmm. because if Percy's got a body of water, huge upgrade. Yes. But there are a lot of bodies of water in Hades the video game levels. So I feel like yes. he's gonna have some water. And I think that makes it a fair fight. I don't know though. It's tough because Zagreus, I only have experience with me controlling his fighting abilities and I'm mm. amazing at Hades <laughs> the video. <laughs> but yeah, Zagreus versus Percy, who would you think? Hmm. I think the what it comes down to is like, you know, Zagreus has become proficient in many different types of weapons and right. has, you know, cleared many adversaries. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think it would go to Zagreus, even if they were like at the top level of uh, Hades, where they're at the top and there's like a body of water, kind of where right. you fight Hades in the game. Spoilers, if you haven't played the game, you fight Hades. Um, <laughs> it's in the yeah. title. Yeah. <laughs> But I think the stakes are a little different because if Zagreus dies, he just goes home. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Versus if Percy dies, he goes to Zagreus' home. <laughs> yeah. I. The thing that I would probably think just the, by the nature of the game, because the way Hades works is you keep kind of doing the same stuff over again and then you slowly get stronger and then you defeat the people. Very mm -hmm. rarely do you beat one of the bosses on your first try. So I feel like the first time they fight, Percy probably wins. But if they run into a situation where they fight again, mm. I think Zagreus might take the knowledge and know Percy's style and then he can react accordingly. So yeah. that would be my reason as to why Percy might win in the you, fight. You've convinced me. All right, yes. cool. Mission accomplished. Well, uh, what a perfect note to end the show on. Thank you all so much for coming out to the show. I really appreciate it. Give yourselves a round of applause for making it out. None of this would have been possible if you didn't come out here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Give it up to Steven for being an incredible guest. Yeah. Give it up to Kelly running the merch table. She was wonderful. And please give it up to all the folks here at SALT from organizing it to tech to hospitality. It was such a smooth process and this was one of the early shows that we had booked. So like Oslo was always like nice like base point of like, well, at least the Oslo show was booked while I <laughs> dealt with everything else. So please give everyone at SALT a huge round of applause. We got to get out of here because we have a Potterless show really soon. It is certainly going to start later than the scheduled 9 o'clock start since it is 8.56. <laughs> oh, jeez. But until we come back to do a Percy Jackson show in the future, because obviously we got to come back. This was wonderful. Until we cross paths again. <gasps> Thanks so much for coming out, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The News Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campomanos and Brandon Google, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you love the show, you're all caught up on the show, and you just can't get enough, you should check out our Patreon, where you can get access to loads of bonus content, bonus episodes, bloopers, director's commentary, monthly Q&A live streams, all sorts of good stuff lives at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. And if you want to rep the show, you can get some merch at thenewsolympian.com slash merch. If you want to be part of a large 
community, you can join the Patreon, get access to our Discord, but you can also check us out on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the News Olympian. We even have a TikTok account that Sherry runs. It's at News Olympian. Lots of good stuff on social media. This show wouldn't be possible without our patrons, and I want to give a shout out to our ultra god tier patrons, Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Haskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Falcon, Joey, James, Christopher, William Boucher, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Carly Allen, Riley Kitas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mackenzie, Mrs. O'Leary, Aaron Wood, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Christ, Cece Reeds 23, Sankoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Michelle Spurgeon, Zachary Hamilton, Sarah Neal, Ricky, Francesca Pacheco, John Drillsma, Demigod Nurse, Rayla Matthews, Riley Dragon, Luna Kadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson Fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, and Sky Captain and the Princess. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. That really helps a ton. Reach out to someone directly and say, hey, you love Percy Jackson, or hey, you've been looking for an excuse to read Percy Jackson. There's this podcast. It's very good. The host is very humble. You could also talk about us on social media or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. All these things help, and I really appreciate all of you who have done that or will do it in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode, and I hope you tuned into our next episode, where we'll be joined live in Finland by Kelly Schubert as we do the first half of the third story of Percy Jackson, colon, the Demigod Files. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. Full disclosure, I don't know which of the things that is saved on my phone I'm going to use for this segment, so it's going to be a surprise. Let's see what lies ahead. Thank you for listening.